0: Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to ClaritinD.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear, use as directed.
1: I had a conversation with myself in the mirror literally one day. I mean, not not even um, metaphorically. I, I looked in the mirror and I was like, this dude I'm looking at is a piece of shit. And you're not doing any of the things that you used to do to be happy, successful, fulfill, whatever. And it was at that point that I started to realize, like, I got a blueprint over here to your point that I used to take it to the top of, of an industry, the as high as you can go in pro football. And I'm over here wondering, why am I not having that same type of success? Why am I not happy and fulfilled? And, you know, why isn't anything working out for me? Because at this point in time, I tried a couple of different business ventures and they failed and and the answer was like, dude, because you're not doing any of the same shit. You're not applying the blueprint. You're not doing any of the things you used to do. Right. You're not applying any of the things that you know.
0: What's up, guys? Welcome to The Greatness Machine. I'm your host, Darius Masha, I'm so pumped to have you here with me. Now, listen, The Greatness Machine is about two things. Number one, people are living their passions. And number two, those who are creating greatness in the world. Doing both of these despite the odds against them. Each episode, we're going to feature interviews of world-class speakers and business leaders showcasing their origin story. What made them tick? What got them to where they are now? So it can help you step into your greatness within your own life, business, and career. Occasionally, you might hear a few solo episodes from myself, moi, as I say, as I leverage my 20 years in entrepreneurship as a CEO to help you grow and level up in your journey to scale your life and your business. So come be a fly on the wall, enjoy the conversation and messages, and I'm stoked to have you guys here. Oh man, you guys, welcome to The Greatness Machine. I'm your host, Darius Day, and boy, do we have a freaking badass guest today with Jimmy Ferris. I'm so pumped to have him here. I got to be on his show. We were like friends of friends. And, and I was like, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to become buddies with that dude. And, and, and it was like fast friends right out of the gate. I got to be on the show, hang out. We like It was like a bro fest, a learning fest, a knowing fest. I was just like absorbing the moment. And so I was like, dude, I can't wait to continue this conversation when he's on my show. And so here we are. I have to tell you, man, I think you're the first professional athlete I've interviewed on, this, on the show. So, so uh, dude, nice. there's a first for everything. Yeah. Uh, a little bit about Jimmy, though. All-American at the University of Montana as a receiver. He was drafted, and it was with the 49ers. Is that correct? Anders, yep. He was drafted to, into the NFL with the 49ers and played six seasons, and he was a – this one's huge – a Super Bowl champion with the New England Patriots. And dude, like, there you go, baby. I love that. I, uh, I worked for
1: you. I put this, I was like, I got to flex this on the greatness machine today just for Darius. So I love
0: that, man. And, and, you know, those are all like the accolades and the sports and stuff like that. And, that, and I think that's just you living your passions to, to create greatness as a young man. And now, now, now as an older, more distinguished man, you're living your greatness in a new way um, with be a pro and that's your platform. So So Jimmy uh, has built his new platform called be a pro and this is his live streaming virtual seminar and coaching platform. He's also a coach with Kaizen and he's doing some really cool things, working with people to help elevate them and elevate the world. And so, man, I'm so proud to have you on the show. Did I miss anything by the way? No, man, that was, that was amazing. That was great. So thanks, man. Um, bro dude welcome to the show man I'm so pumped to have you
1: here me too I really appreciate it man it was it was great when we were able to connect and I like I said I've been watching your live stream just because I uh, you know I I saw you on shows with Isaac and Amber and I was like I love this dude man we've got to we've got to get on each other's shows and um, just chop it up man because it does it feels just more like conversation just like two old buddies kind of shooting the shit so I love yeah. it
0: well you know you know like one of the and maybe you I'll ask you this like one of the cool things I like about doing the show is I and I do, and you know, we're both doing the show a fair amount. Is like, do I get to meet tons of cool people, and then I get to make new friends? And so, like, like fast friends, like I, 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 like once a week, twice a week, I meet someone. I'm like, dude, this guy, if he lived next door to me, we'd be hanging out all the time.
1: Yes, literally, exactly. I, I was, I was saying that to Isaac the other day. I was like, man, when everything calms down, I can't wait to get some of these people together so we can actually hang out, like
0: actually vibe and just you know spend time together. That's the best. Yeah. And 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 we got some we probably got a ways to go for that with, with the world's app. But but until then we just get to go hang out on each other's shows. We'll do we'll do a happy hour you guys. We're gonna do a happy hour where we just get drunk together. I oh. don't you know if you drink but but I'm gonna get you drunk.
1: I'm a vodka Red Bull guy. I'll do I'll do a you know a couple. I, I like to just get buzzed. I don't ever get drunk. I get perfectly buzzed and uh take the edge off a little bit and and uh Brings me out of my shell.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I, I that's I, I like that. Um, I, I do like to get drunk too, but but not that often. So like, I, like my buddy says, like when I was twenty years old, I went on this uh, cruise ship around the world. It's like a semester at sea, where you live on a cruise ship and you start in Vancouver, Canada. It's through it was through University of Pittsburgh. Now it's through the University of Virginia or Colorado start we started as a cruise ship with 600 college students 20 years old dude, like this is like a recipe for insanity I say I, I can already i already know where this is going and so uh i go on this thing and i'm 20 dude and i'm and i'm just like a younger version of myself i'm just a maniac and we go we go vancouver to japan japan to china china to vietnam vietnam to malaysia malaysia to India, India to Israel, up the Red Sea to Israel, Israel to Turkey, Turkey to Italy, Italy to Morocco, Morocco to Miami. 100 days. Wow. Just, yeah, it was insane, dude. So uh, I wasn't saying that to brag. I was saying that to tell you a story that my buddy, who's this guy, he's like this, like one of my closest friends still, longtime friend. And he's like, dude, there's three versions of Darius when he drinks. And still, it still holds up to this day. There's Darius when he's sober. Like, dude, you're you're hanging out with Darius right now. There's Marius when I'm buzzed, and then there's Scarius when I'm fucking blacked out. <laughs> I, I
1: I heard you talk about these these three characters on your show. Well, maybe when you were on with Amber, I was going to add another one, which I would call hilarious. Oh, dude,
0: that's hell <laughs> yeah, man! Hilarious. Which
1: is, which is when you are just in total off the wall mode, man. You some crazy crazy stuff comes out of your mouth.
0: Yeah, I'm I, I can blame my mom for that, dude. My mom says crazy shit. Uh so that's, it's all genetic. So, dude, um anyway, uh yeah, we'll have to you'll have to meet Marius. He'll he'll come hang out. The scariest yes. thing invited. But dude, Jimmy, uh, what I wanna do is is, you know, I really want to ask you a couple of like questions. Like having been a high performing athlete and ha and I'm assuming you still consider yourself an athlete, because I think once you're an athlete, you're always an athlete. And it's just how you use that athleticism, right? Uh, mentally, physically, yep. it's all the same. It's all connected. But, you know, growing up, I'm assuming you're the hardest working guy in the room and you got a lot of accolades for it, you know, in sports that carried through college. You, you use that work ethic to probably make your dream. And I'm guessing that was your dream was to get in the NFL, a yeah. fair assessment. Yes, absolutely.
1: I actually... I still have the, uh, a sheet of paper that I wrote the goal down on when I was 10 years old. My fifth grade teacher passed out a little Xerox handout, had a bunch of questions. And, and one of the questions was, you know, what's your lifetime goal? And I wrote at 10 to play in the NFL, to play pro football.
0: Right. So I do this thing in my company, in my business, and now my former company. And I say to people, and I do it now, actually, when I do, when I do uh, speaking seminars, I say, okay, I want you to write down on a piece of paper, what did you want to be when you were 10 years old? Right, so you did that. I and, did it. Yeah, and most people know in their brain, right? And then I and I'll ask them. I'll say, "Read it off." What do you want to be, right? And then I say, after I, I usually I do it in like like you know like small groups that I'm doing like facilitations in when I was when I was in my company, I would do it in groups of fifteen. I'd say, "Raise your hand if that dream came true," and. More than likely 99 out of a hundred times, the answer was no. I'm in a mortgage company, by the way. So like most people didn't dream to be in a mortgage company. right? Like how many of you did you actually, did that actually, ha- are you do- living? I said, how many of you are actually living that today? Right. Or ha- or had that dream come true? And 99 out of hundred would say, no, the one time out of a hundred, it came true was either to your, like in your example, they they got to it at some point in their young life or their parents were in the mortgage. Industry. And I said, you know, it's very rare that people get to live their dreams from their 10-year-old self. But as an adult, we have an opportunity to build a business that's greater than ourselves and to be a part of that. And that's, and that's actually what motivated me to build the business I built and to write my book and to do what I'm doing now. So my question for you is, dude, you're like one of those few people that actually lived out your 10-year-old dream. That's, by the way, like kudos to you, but that's insane and that's like super rare, right? Thank you. So having done that, you then had to deal with the other side of that, which you then lost that dream, right? <laughs> at, at, at six years, like, I, like, I'm guessing, like, uh, as if you get in the NFL when you're, like, 22, 21, 23, somewhere around there. Yeah, 23. Right, so you're 23, six seasons means you're out by the time you're 28, 29, depending on what part of the, of the year it is. So before the age of 30, your dream was done, right? And you, and it was a damn good dream, dude. You fucking won the Super Bowl, which is, like, awesome, right? But you lived the the dream until it was done, and so I want to ask you a what might be a tough question, which is how did that feel at that moment? it was
1: dude i i it's kind of the centerpiece of everything I'm doing now i was um I was lost for a couple of years um I felt like I'd completely lost my identity you know since- literally since the time I was ten, my whole goal my whole dream had been to play pro football, and so I'd spent 20 years up to that point, I retired when I was 30 officially, and it wasn't voluntary, really. It was, you know, I didn't walk away on my terms. It was just because I couldn't get signed. No team wanted my services. And it's not, it's not abnormal at 30 for an NFL player. If you're not a pro bowler or a superstar, then they start to try to get you out of there. You know, they're, they got to, they got to pay me three times as much as they got to pay a 21 year old to do the same thing that I can do. And so, um, it's not abnormal to be done at 30, but you know, at that point in time, I'd spent two thirds of my life, basically 20 of my 30 years dreaming about being a pro football player and going about that process of all the workouts, all the sacrifice, all that type of stuff to be the best I could be in high school. And then the best I could be in college. And then all of my twenties were spent focused solely on football. And so, Man, I I was dealing with a loss of identity, loss of purpose, loss of structure. You know, I didn't have a facility or a building to go to anymore that felt like kind of a second home base. I didn't have a trainer that I could walk into the weight room that handed me a card and said, here's what you have to do today. I didn't have a coach that was constantly giving me feedback about, hey, you're doing this really well. I need you to be better here. So, dude, I was just waking up every morning like, I don't know what to do today. You know, I know I kind of want to work out. I kind of want to work towards something, but I don't know what that is. I don't have anybody helping me or telling me what to do that. That's kind of the, the crux of what I struggled with the most was that loss of structure combined with loss of identity, loss of passion, loss of purpose. You know, I, I always refer to it as climbing mountains. You know, I would climbed my first mountain, come down the other side of it. I was standing in the valley and it was like, you know, what's the next mountain to climb? Do I even have what it takes to climb another mountain? You know you deal with those self belief questions. Was my greatness limited just to being an athlete just to football? Do I have anything to offer the world or a potential company that would hire me i It was so many questions man it was it was a definite down period of my life for sure and i and you know you feel really alone and really isolated because the only other people that You know personally that are going through the same thing are guys that you played with that are now on the back end of their career or dealing with retirement too, and sometimes that can just turn into a big pity party because they don't necessarily know what to do either. So you hang out with those guys, and everybody's just like, "Yeah, this shit sucks," you know. And it it took a lot of work personally for me um, with mentors and and personal development things like that to really start to move forward.
0: So yeah, yeah, I you, you know. You're, I have a friend, who, uh, a friend from college, who's a really good friend from high school is Drew Bennett, and so uh, who was uh, what he was the uh, tight end for the uh, Titans, right? Tennessee. Yep. Yeah, so I saw him come out. I, I saw him come out. I mean, he did pretty well financially, right? He was a Pro Bowler and, and he made a lot of money. Um, and then he came out, and, but same sort of thing. It's like then he was you know kind of family guy and invested some of the money and was trying to get into business at that point. But I gotta imagine that going from I mean, dude, the highs of playing in a professional football team to normal life, civilian life is pretty wide. That's I, a pretty wide mark, dude. That's what I
1: that's what I always try to explain to people is that um when you're a pro athlete, life inside the walls of an NFL facility or an NBA facility, it's not real life. You know, I had so many things that it 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 sounds probably crazy. People are like, man, this is This is wild. But for a couple of years after I retired, every time I needed to go to the doctor or the dentist or something like that, I would call one of the old trainers with the Falcons because I had made my home in Atlanta. So I was still close with those those trainers at the Falcons and say, you know, hey, Ron, I need to I need to get in to see the dentist. You know, can you call Dr. Gentry's office and see if they can get me in? And he's like, Ferris, you're a grown man, like call him yourself, you know, but but for 15 years you know, from college and, and then through the pros, when, when I needed to see the doctor, I would tell the trainer and then he would come up to me an hour later and say, hey, I got you, I got you in with Dr. Gentry. I got you in with Dr. So-and-so. I had a Reebok shoe deal. So, I had Reebok shoes and clothing apparel. So, I, it'd been 10 years since I'd really gone to the store and bought some athletic shoes or workout clothes. And so, you know, there was all these different things that I was dealing with, like, man, I got to figure out how to really navigate stuff kind of on my own. It wasn't, it wasn't real life. And at 30, you think you would have a lot of this stuff figured out. And I certainly thought that I did. Um, You know, I did what, what I was told or what I thought were the right things with my money. You know, I'd put myself in a position to have a life after football, but you know, you think that while you're playing, but you don't realize what the reality of life is going to be when all of that is gone. When, like I said, you're sitting there on a day-to-day basis. Like, what, what do I even need to focus on? What do I need to do? What's everybody else doing? And what everybody else was doing was they were six, seven, eight years into building their career at the, you know, a company they took their first job with or a company that they started. And now they're working on promotions and I'm sitting here at 30, like shit, I'm starting over. I'm literally starting at ground zero and I don't have the skills. I don't feel like I necessarily have the skills to just kind of take this thing to another level or to a different place
0: on my own. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. In the world of successful partnerships, names like Procter & Gamble, Ben & Jerry, and supply and demand echo through business history. But when it comes to growing your business, who are the perfect partners? That's you and Shopify. Go to ClaritinD.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear, uses directed. So, right. So at 30, you come out of this bubble, right? And like arguably you've been in the bubble now for probably 14 years because my guess is you were the best high school football player in your town or in your state or whatever. And so when you're that, when you're the best at a sport in high school, especially football, like dude, people bow down, right? You get really special treatment in the school, outside of the school, you know, girls, whatever you're interested in. So you, you're kind of, you get this like demigod status like at a pretty young age, right? Like yeah. probably like 15, 16 years old is when that started. And then that went all the way to your 30. That's, a, that's half your life at that point where you've been exactly. like larger than life and people just kind of gave you what you wanted, right? To a certain degree, right? Obviously yeah. depending on how, how big of a demigod you are. But enough where it's like, normal mortals don't have that life right so now they're like yeah demigod fuck off like here's real life go go do your own shit so dude they really like kind of drop you in the deep end and it's deep as fuck and they tie some weights around your <laughs> waist and they're like see you on the other side maybe bro yes yeah that's exactly how it feels because when you're a player
1: when when you can say hey i'm jimmy ferris of the Washington Redskins or the Atlanta Falcons, when you know, sometimes there were times where I wanted to get in touch with anybody. Really, I could go to one of our PR guys, at the office. And say, Hey, I'd like to get in contact with X, Y, and Z. Actually, a funny story. I um, I'm not ashamed to admit. I, I watched The Bachelor and The Bachelorette. I have for a long time, and uh, yeah, you know, whatever. I like trash reality TV. It's always right, funny storylines. But funny story about that. So. Back in like, oh, three, I was watching the bachelor and one of the girls that made it to the into the top two, uh, who ultimately didn't get picked the guy picked the other girl. I was like, man, she i had a crush. I was like, she is, she's cute. She's cool. All this type of stuff. So I went to one of our PR guys with the Falcons. And I said, I want to meet this girl. She lives in New York. We're playing the giants in two weeks, get her on the phone, tell her, I want to meet her and let's set something up. And so literally like that, by the end of the day, he was like, Hey, I got it all set up you know, we fly in on Saturday, you guys are going to go out to dinner. Then I had a, I got her a ticket and a sideline pass for the game the next week. And it was just, you know, I mean, that's kind of a silly example, but that's the reality of of how the type of access you have when you have a pro sports organization attached to your name, you know, we could, I could call Mr. Blank, the owner of the Falcons and say, I'd like to meet this guy. Who's the CEO of whatever company. And you've got a platform, you've got an automatic in with these people. But now take yourself as a retired former pro athlete, a guy who's no longer playing, a guy who can't get corporate tickets or anything like this for any of these people. And now you're trying to call people and say, hey, I'd like to meet this person. Or I'd like to get connected with this person. It's like, yeah, we'll we'll get back to you and we'll let you know. All of those connections and all of those things that you had such e- easy access to, they're gone, right? And so here I was operating this whole time thinking like man i i can i can access anybody i can you know knock on anybody's door i can have a conversation with anybody a year later it's like i don't even know where to turn i don't i don't have any connections anymore i don't have any
0: access anymore yeah you know it's funny you just reminded me so that so when i was um so i started my first company when i was 20 like real company when i was 25 i started a bunch of businesses before then but but i was i was trying to become a professional athlete as an entrepreneur right in the world of entrepreneurism so yeah. And I was, and I started really young, which, you know, like entrepreneurs and starting in your teens and doing it into your twenties, like that's pretty early to do it. So I, so I kind of viewed that as my like pro athlete type of deal. Right. Is like, I'm trying to make it up into the pros as an entrepreneur. Yeah. And, and that was literally how I thought of it. Like, I'm going to be a pro, like I'm going to run a big company. Right. Um, and so I, um, my first company I built when I was 25 was number 40 and 500. And we went from myself to about 150 employees in three years, the mortgage uh, lender. And, and then it blew up. So in 07, subprime mortgage lending blew up the world. And I didn't mention that I was a subprime mortgage lender. <laughs> so, um, so it was funny was a, a bunch of people that I had helped bring up who made a lot of money working with me, kind of over like the last year or so of the business when it blew up, everyone left. And, I, and dude, a lot of these people were people I pull up straight out of college, groomed them. Like, dude, these guys went from like, literally like working at a bar as a bar back to making like 300 grand a year. Wow. And I taught them how to do that, right? And I was like, and dude, the minute it got tough, a lot of them left really quickly. And some of them stuck it out a little bit, but inevitably all of them left. And then they all started like, and the funny thing was, I was in my mid-20s when I had this business. So I was 25. So I was 28 running 150% company, which dude, that's like, that's not normal. That's huge. But that's huge. Yeah. yeah. Not normal. Right. That's kind of like the, it's not the same as playing in the NFL, but it's my version of it.
1: It's that level though. I mean, it's literally that that, that that's the performance level is the same.
0: Well, and, and the other level it is, is that you are somebody like, Oh, yeah. he, this is the CEO. And they yes. walk in it's a miniature version of the NFL, but, but it's like, you walk in and I'm the boss and people say, this is our CEO. They're like, yeah, I mean, he's like a kid. And, and so and there comes like and that's like a moment where people are like, wow, this, is, this guy's an animal. Right.
1: And it makes you feel different. Right. That becomes a huge piece of your identity.
0: Totally. And that's where I'm going with this. So then so dude, I get invited to everything, parties. I walk in, boss just rolled in. Everyone comes up and wants to like be seen with me. And then the company blows up. And this is my favorite quote, as I learned as an as adult, is, you know, success has many fathers and failure is a fucking orphan. That's right? it. <laughs>
1: God, <laughs> <yes>. <laughs> no, that's so true. It's
0: such a good quote, dude. And so I became when I became an orphan, this was the this was the moment. All these people that were always inviting me, shit, dude, they turned their back and they all started going to hang out together and didn't invite me to anything anymore. Oh wow. And I was like, hey, dude, I listen, man, I'm like a I'm I'm a heart-centered person, dude. I, I do I want good for people and I love and I love on people like like true and true. I'm not using, I don't use people. Right, and I was like, "Whoa!" And, and it broke, dude. I'm gonna tell you this: it broke my heart. Like, I was like, "Wow." These I thought these people were my friends, right? And so, but I realized something was that yeah, they were young too, dude. And they and they and and there's a when you leave a business, you sometimes want some separation, so you can get your own identity and you want to kind of reestablish yourself. And I didn't. And I didn't wasn't. I was thinking about myself, but um, I also noticed that people, my vendors, treated me different. When my, my business went from big to small, everyone kind of treated me differently, and I, I real. I re- and then I got really kicked in the balls way harder. Then my business shut- got shut down and I went into, and I had, a- had to go do a joint venture and I wasn't the CEO and it was, and-, and I had to do two of them and I wasn't the CEO in either of them. And I'd ask people to do stuff because dude, I'm all about running a good business. Yes. And I'd be like, Hey, Hey, this thing's broken over here. We need to fix it. And I'd get one of these. Yeah, I'm busy right now. And I'm like, the fuck. <laughs> I was like, dude, this is a big problem. And I realized that as a CEO, people do things for me because I'm the CEO. And I didn't learn that till this is, I'm five years after getting my ass kicked in 07. It's 2011, people are doing this. And so I spent a few years in, uh, in purgatory getting my ass kicked and then having that done to me. And I was like, oh shit, people fucking give you special treatment when you're the CEO. (laughs) <laughs> and which, which, by the way, I don't have a big ego. So for me, I just thought that they did the right thing because it was the right thing to do when I asked them to do it, not because I was like commander in chief, right? So the reason I say all that was I learned a lesson. I listened to this guy do a talk and you reminded me of the talk. I wanted to give you my experience on this so you understood why this mattered. What, what you said resonated a lot with me because of my experience. But there was a guy who was this, um, I want to say he was like a senator or like a head of like a huge company. He was someone like, who had major clouds? Let's just say he was the a, a let's just say he was the head of like Secretary of State or something like that, right? right of the United States at one point. He goes to a speaking event. He says, "I come in. They let me in through the back door. I got my special room. I get in there. There's a basket with fruit. There's like all this special treatment stuff, like food. Someone comes in. They see if I'm okay. They're like catering to me, and and I'm like." wow, this is cool. I go, I do my speech. Limo picks me up, takes me to the airport. I fly home first class. Next year, I come back and I'm no longer the secretary of the state. And I'm again, I'm making up the title of this person. Yeah. I show up. They bring me into the front door. They don't have a special room for me. They give me a cup of coffee and a styrofoam cup. No one cares. No one does anything for me. And then I got to find my way back to the airport. And I realized something in that moment that I realized That it wasn't about me; it was about me honoring the position that I held, Mm -hmm. and the position is what they were paying tribute to, not me as a person. Mm -hmm. And so, when I thought about what you were saying, is it wasn't Jimmy Ferris; it was Jimmy Ferris, the professional athlete who's providing value for this larger platform. One hundred percent. Yes, and same for myself. Darius, it was. It 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 maybe there was people in there trying to get something from me, but it really was not. It was respecting the CEO position of a company that they either. Needed something from, or that they were supporting in their efforts as an employee. And so I learned that the position that I'm a human being, just like they are, and they're respecting the title, not me. And maybe they respect me as a person too, but I'm okay with them respecting the title and I'm okay with them respecting the office. But I can't have my identity tied to it. And even now, man, I just left as CEO of a big company. And dude, I got people that same shit. Hey, what's going on? Can we get on a call? crickets i'm like what the fuck <laughs> like you know who you are by the way people like right like, <laughs> like, like i'm calling you out right now actually if you're watching <laughs> yeah yeah hey all you like you think i don't fucking notice that a year ago if i called you you jumped two seconds and now you don't like, return my fucking text dude yeah. what do you think i'm not a fucking idiot so but there but but it's okay it's all good i know you're disrespecting the office so the point is is that I don't know, I just wanted to share that story because how, my question for you, I, I guess maybe you might have some comments on what I said, but sure. question for you is when you got to the point to realize it wasn't about Jimmy Ferris, the person, it was Jimmy Ferris, the, the receiver for the professional sports organization. How did you then move out of that? So you learned that really quickly because,
1: you know, we all like to think oftentimes of ourselves and our, our impact or, you know, the value that we offer sometimes greater than it is. Right. And so I went through a process where every time I left a team and went to a new team, you're, you're kind of surprised. Your feelings are a little bit hurt about how quickly they move on and replace you. You right. know, the next season you're watching the Falcons play. And there's another guy wearing your old number and they think he's the new great thing and doing the, it's like, man, they forget you quickly and they move on quickly. And when you retire and you're just no longer in the league, you literally go from the last game that you played to being an NFL player to a couple months later, you're literally a has-been, right? And you've you've still got connections with some of those people and people still remember you. And for me, you know, I spent a year before I actually retired, I spent a full year in 2009, still working out, staying in shape, hoping to get a call, hoping to get signed. And so it took a while to really let go of that. But what what really happened for me, to your point, was I realized that you know everything that I'd worked for, every everything that I'd tried to build, everything that I did did build, everything you know, every achievement and all those type of things, those were really the only that was really the only thing that that I had left personally because I didn't have a title anymore. I wasn't a guy that played pro sports or played in the NFL. I still had a Super Bowl ring, but you know, that was old news. And again, for me, that loss of that loss of identity and then trying to figure out, okay, well, who actually am I, if I'm not a NFL player, if I'm not a pro football player, who, who am I? Because answering that question will tell me what impact can I make? Who do I want to serve? What do I want to do moving forward? And I, I guess maybe I get a, a, I'm a little kind of off the topic now, but, but for me, what that, what that realization was is that that person that i'd become and that goal that i had chased and achieved and that dream that i had lived was really self-serving right it was it was and not in a bad way but it was me saying hey this is something i want to do these are achievements and accomplishments that i want my entire football career was about me doing uh something that i wanted achieving a goal that i'd set and other than you know, my family and some people here and there I was really the only one that benefited from it, right? I made a bunch of money. I made almost $2 million by the time I was 30, won a Super Bowl, I'd done these cool stuff. But then I was like, okay, who's better because of all of that? Who benefited from all of that? Who, you know, who was impacted by that? And so I guess to really answer your question, the, the real shift happened for me when I was retired and I was like, you know, I've achieved everything most things that I personally want to achieve. And so what I want to do moving forward is do things that basically correlate to me winning. When I win, when I achieve a goal, it's because other people were impacted and other people have benefited. So I didn't want to just go work for a company. I didn't want to just say, okay, well, let me just try to climb this next ladder and become Jimmy Ferris, the CEO. Or let me just try to go, you know, do something where I can make a couple hundred grand a year and continue my lifestyle. Right. Um, I really felt like for for me to now create part of my platform, create the best version of myself and to really be fulfilled and kind of live my next dream. It had to be me chasing significance to be impactful, to make people better because they come in contact with me rather than just chasing more success. And, um, you know, when I was playing football, the the, the two were just so Closely connected, I was like, "Oh, I'm Jimmy Ferris, the football player, and everybody loves me because I'm a great guy." And then you realize, like, "No, nah, everybody loved you because of what you did." And so now you need to move forward and do things that are impactful to other people, that make a difference for other people, and get your fulfillment that way.
0: Yeah, man, that's awesome. And so um, I'm going to say one thing that we have a question from the audience. What I just heard you say is that you went from a place where you were respected for the work you were doing, and then you dealt with a pretty harsh blow to get to, to, to come back down to a new reality, right because your reality was, was your reality up, up until it wasn't, right And that's how it all is for everybody. But the difference is is that there was a, you, were, you were on a very high platform that, that you then got ripped off of. and I didn't think about that that it's not like you didn't get picked up by a team and you're like, oh, I'm retired. You're like you didn't get picked up from a team. You, then you worked your ass off. You did what you knew. You followed this path that had worked for you for the last 15 years, and then it didn't work. Yes. And then you had to like tell yourself, "I'm not doing this anymore. Like I'm not allowed to do this anymore." And then you had to mourn the loss of that. 100. Uh, that and that was that was when it was
1: kind of the deepest and the darkest. Is when you're you're mourning the loss of something that you still really wanted. You know, I mean, it's literally like you know losing the love of your life basically because at that point in time you know it's one of the things I go I go in depth on in the book i mean that was football was my first love and you know outside of my family maybe still to this day the the only true love of my life something that i was totally committed to totally dedicated to made multiple many many sacrifices for over a number of years and so now you got to just let that go and say okay well um you know is everything i built just for nothing now because it's not, it's not serving me anymore, right? Those, all of those, those bricks that I laid in that field, they're not serving me anymore. So you mourn the loss and then you, you try to figure out how you're going to rebuild and, and how to start over. And I, again, I realized that people respected me for when I was playing football for who I was, which was as a professional athlete. And the shift for me was when I realized I want people to respect me for what I'm doing. In other words, the impact that I'm making and the, the significance that I can have in other people's lives.
0: Yeah. So, where I heard you go with that, and this is where, you know, my book it talks about this from an organizational standpoint, which is you went to a, past the tactical. The tactical was Jimmy Ferris, football player, but Jimmy Ferris is still a badass human being. You just applied that badassery to the pigskin, right? You just said that was where you, like, dude. You don't go from a 15-year-old, 10-year-old kid writing down, I want to be a pro athlete, to then doing it 13 years later, unless you're a fucking badass, okay? That's, let's just, everyone, let's just so we know you're a fucking badass if you do that, okay? Number one. Number two, I'm I'm going to rant for a minute here. Go for it. Take away football and make your 10-year-old self say you want to do something else that's hard as hell to do. That badass would have done some version of that, right? So the badass was there. But you, you're young, dude. When you're tw- in your 20s and in your 30s, you're trying to figure out what the fuck you are. You're like, I don't, you don't know what you are because you're still young, dude. And, and also pepper on that, that people treated you probably artificially wet better than they would have if you weren't that that, exactly. that. that just exacerbates the issue, right? Because exactly. they're, they're not doing it because they love you as a person. Maybe some of them are. A lot of them are just doing it because you're good at football, right? Which is, that's like one element of, that's just an expression of your badassery. Right. So then you have to untangle that shit and be like, no, no, I am a badass. And that's, and to your point, what, what I think, what I just heard you say, bro, is that you realized I'm a badass. I mean, you probably do that the whole time, but you like wrestled with it because like I'm doing it right now, dude. I'm, I'm, I just left being a CEO for 20 years. Mm-hmm. Right. And finally got what I wanted. You know, I finally got to build that thousand person organization. And then I said, then I left it because it, it wasn't serving me. And then I'm like, well, I know I'm badass, but what's my, and, and I've done this, one, I, I dealt with the identity issue once before, right, where I, where, where I learned from that, right? So now I'm a little older and wiser, and I'm like, what matters, and what I think I heard you say, is that you figured out your purpose, and you figured out your values, and then you leaned into those super hard, and now I'm hearing you talking with that language. Am I, am I am I hearing you?
1: Yeah, yeah. So here here's the key piece to that though, you know, to be very kind of transparent. Um, it took me probably 3 or 4 years to do that and go through that process. And I mean, looking back, obviously, it's I'm like, man, I'm thankful for that, right? But it, at the time, it was it was not something that I was proud of. The place where I was, I was not proud of that. I was basically just faking it for three or four years. And I remember vividly having a conversation with my mom where I was sitting in my, uh, uh sitting in my vehicle outside of the gym parking lot. It was kind of late at night. I was living in Boise, Idaho at the time. And, um, we had a conversation. I just, she was like, you know, you, you just need to, you know, you're, she was saying all these things that mothers say, which were all the things I needed to hear. She was basically just saying like, you're such a hard worker. You're so committed. You're so passionate. You're a winner. Like you will get, you will get back to another mountaintop. That was, that language comes from my mom. She always, she was saying basically, you're not, you're not finished. You're not over. You're just changing mountaintops. And I remember saying to her probably for the first time in my life, saying something like this, I was like, you know, I, I don't know if that's true. I was like, I, I was great in football, but I don't, I don't know if I've got it in me to be great at anything else. Maybe that was my one mountaintop, you know, maybe God gives us like one really fucking awesome thing to do in life. And when it's over, then it's over. And maybe, maybe that was it. Maybe I'll never climb another mountain. Maybe I'll just be kind of an average dude the rest of my life. And I was at that moment, like really questioning Myself, I I I'd, I'd lost that self belief that said like, you know, you were saying that I'm the type of person who because I was able to do one thing like I'm just a badass period, and if I apply that same mentality to anything that if I go back to that ten year old self and say, well, let's just apply to something else like I'm just a badass, dude. In that moment, I was questioning whether or not I was a badass. I was I was I was saying like maybe I'm not. Maybe, maybe it was only in that area. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm nobody. Maybe I'm just an average dude that's not capable of of doing anything great again. So that was a real struggle for me, man. And it took, you know, this is kind of part of the journey. This is part of the 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 evolution of be a pro. Is it wasn't until I had a conversation with myself in the mirror, literally one day. I mean, not not even um, metaphorically. I. I looked in the mirror and I was like, this dude I'm looking at is a piece of shit. And you're not doing any of the things that you used to do to be happy, successful, fulfill, whatever. And it was at that point that I started to realize like, I got a blueprint over here to your point that I used to take it to the top of, of an industry, the, as high as you can go on pro football. And I'm over here wondering, why am I not having that same type of success? Why am I not happy and fulfilled? And, you know, why isn't anything working out for me? Because at this point in time I tried a couple of different business ventures and they failed. And, and the answer was like, dude, cause you're not doing any of the same shit. You're not <laughs> applying the blueprint. You're not doing any of the things you used to do. Right. You're not applying any of the things that you know. And so I just started going back. Like, what was I doing when I was 15 years old? What was my mindset? And I just started slowly one by one applying things like, yep, that worked for me. Yep. I'm going to take that. That worked for me using those tools. And that's how I built back, dude. And and so your point was spot on. I had a blueprint. I had a toolbox. I had all the, 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 strategies that I needed. And the reason why I was so low is because I, I was dealing with loss of identity, all this other stuff that got me down. And I was just like, I want to disconnect from that person because right. that person and that life is bringing me pain right now because I'm not that guy anymore. Right. And because of that, I, I went low. And when I was like, you know what, let me embrace that motherfucker that did all that stuff and let me put his blueprint back in play. Let me open up his toolbox again. And that's when I started to build back.
0: So, uh, thank you for sharing that, by the way. That's, dude, I, that's, I, love, I love the story, and, and I, I'm grateful for your vulnerability to share it, man, because I, I, I think it's really tough for people to own that shit. So, thank you for that. Are you guys enjoying the show so far? Darius here, and by now you might know that I'm passionate about a few things pizza, pink unicorns, core values, and down, dirty, interesting conversation with some amazing people. However, the biggest one that I've spent most of my career on is entrepreneurship and scale. You see, look, my first few years in business, I spent like probably a good five years of my life getting my freaking teeth kicked. I mean, really getting crushed. And I learned a lot during that time period. So I spent the greater part of the last couple of years helping entrepreneurs scale their businesses in a meaningful way without going through the same growing pains that I did. And what I realized is that CEOs and business leaders don't know if they can scale and thus they do the right thing at the wrong times. This causes them to lose clarity, lose momentum, alignment, and the bottom line is you lose money. And look, you don't have to do that. It's why I created what I call the scalability assessment, and you can access it 100% for free. That's right, guys. There are perks to listening to the greatness machine. All you have to do is go to dariusscale.com. That's D-A-R-I-U-S scale, S-C-A-L-E.com. And there, you can check to see if your business is set up to scale properly it's going to give you a scalability score at the end and it's also going to give you some clarity on what you can do next. Once again guys, that's www.itsdariusscale.com. Once again guys, it's dariusscale.com and now back to the show. There's a book uh, when you keep talking about mountains, and there's a book that I was referred to that I'm, I haven't read yet, which my friends will laugh right now because I always refer books that I don't read. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I don't read half these fucking books. Uh, <laughs> no, no, no. I read like four. <laughs> they, just look, they just make me look smart. I just write books, I don't read them. Uh, <laughs> there, you go. there you go. I don't need to read them. I write them. I um, <laughs> just write these motherfuckers. That's it. So yeah, reach me. Now, uh, Second Mountain by David Brooks. So I don't know if you read that book or not, but I have a friend who referred it to me last week because we were talking about the fact that I'm on my next mountain right now. And that what served me in the last mountain, I'm now having to go and climb that next mountain and I'm a different person. And that part of this is the greatness machine. That's part of this next mountain, dude. I was telling a a mentor of mine today, I said, dude, I don't, I I said, would you feel like you're like like a Ferrari engine that just needs to go into a new, like body and I said no I actually feel like I'm a fucking warrior that has all these skill sets of fucking living in in like the the wildlands but I'm in this land and there's new fucking dinosaurs and shit that I've never seen before and I'm like I don't know how the fuck I'm gonna cross the valley but I'm gonna kill some motherfuckers to get there And, and and I know I have the skills but I don't know where I'm at I don't know how I'm going to the next place and I'm on this gnarly quest to build something great and i don't even know what it is but i just am following my heart and my calling now yeah. most people i would say do that but like know that i might take a few arrows i might lose a few limbs in the process and i'm gonna have to like you know tie a branch on to get it back but be, you got to be okay with that and a lot of people i've talked to would say like you got to be okay with the pain you're going to feel when you go to the new dinosaur land with your fucking spears and realize they don't work against those dinosaurs. And you got to figure out some new weapons that you're going to have to use. Man, you got to be OK with that journey and embrace it because that's that's or don't do it. Stay with the tribe. Go fishing in the stream. Pet your kid's head and know that you're not making it to the new land. It's your choice. That's so, it. That's it. Once
1: you make that decision, you 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 got to be all in. I mean, that's a that's a huge piece of what we talk about. I don't care if you don't want to go to the top or, or be the best or be your personal best. I, that I'm, I'm not here to try to motivate you to do that. But if you tell me that's what you want to do, now we're having a different conversation and you better be prepared to do the shit that's necessary in order to do that. And I think what, what happens now a lot of times, and I'm, I'm sure you see this in business, especially is people say, Oh yeah, I want X, Y, and Z. And then they don't do shit. They're not willing to take the arrows. Like you said, they're not willing to make the sacrifices. They're not willing to do the things that the other people that they're saying they want to be like are doing. They're pissed off that they're not having the same success. A year or two in, they're not where they want to be. So they just quit. And again, all of that is fine. All that is fine. Not everybody has to have the same mindset that I have or that you have. But if you tell me that this is what you want to do. Then we're gonna have a different conversation.
0: Oh hell yeah, man! Because talk is motherfucking cheap. Believe it. It's easy to say. I used to I used to call the, 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 these people the I'm gunnas. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. You're an I'm gonna. Uh We had a question uh, from Je- Jeff Evans, my boy Hafe. Yeah, like, he's my roommate from college. I love you, Hafe. I give you big kisses, brother. Hafe is asking Jimmy. Did you lean on others to keep you motivated and working hard enough to stay at the highest level or was it all self-motivation? This is such a great question.
1: Yeah, dude, I, I love this question. So motivation is, is a interesting topic for me. There's definitely times where, you know, I felt really motivated and, and definitely times when we are really motivated, but I feel like there's more times when you're not motivated. You're not like pumped up after watching Rocky or drive into the gym with your favorite song playing, or, you know, somebody didn't just piss you off that made you say, okay, I'm going to go show that guy, you know, those are, those are times when you're motivated, but that's really just an emotion. So for me, it was, it was always two things. Um, The first thing was, I was always looking at and following people who were already where I wanted to be, who were doing the things that I wanted to do. I tell this story a lot about when I got to the 49ers as a rookie and I met Terrell Owens, you know, he was the best receiver in the world at that point in time. He's a hall of famer now, but I remember the first time I saw him, I was like, Jesus, is this, this is what an NFL receiver looks like. Then I got problems because I don't look like this guy. I mean, he's six three, two twenty five, 225, just chiseled, you know? And so I guess to address that specifically, I said, okay, well, my best bet if I want to get better and make this team is to do everything Terrell Owens does exactly the way he does it to the best of my ability. And so my motivation was always, hey, I'm 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 keeping up with Terrell. I'm doing everything Terrell's doing. That that was my he was kind of my true north. You know, if he's doing it, I'm doing it. If he's not doing it, then I'm not doing that. So so wanting to to be like Terrell, which deep down was was wanting to create the best version of myself as a player, that was that was that motivation and that was all throughout my career. You know, different teams that I went to, I always had guys that were kind of like role models or people that I was modeling or emulating. Um, but the second piece is, and I talk about this a lot, is just the discipline, man. Like I was around so many high performers that did that just did what needed to be done, regardless of how they felt, regardless of the circumstances, regardless of the conditions of their life or the team or whatever. And I think that is the the, the key. I've got kind of a quote card that we put out on social media that says, when motivation wanes, discipline reigns. So for me, yeah. So for me, motivation is good. Discipline, discipline is the key because discipline says, I don't give a shit if you feel like it or not. I don't care if you're full of energy today or if you're really motivated. You have to do what needs to be done to achieve the goal you said you wanted to achieve And to take the steps that you said you wanted to take. And to me, that is one of the key traits of all high performers, whether it's pro athletes, whether it's CEOs. I know you can attest to this, Darius. There's a lot of shit you don't want to do. And what separates me from you is that I was willing to do it and you weren't. And that that was, you know, how I kind of use that concept of motivation. Like, I don't give a shit if I'm motivated. This is what I need to do. And that it's funny because the there's an old quote I forget where it comes from, but it says, "Do the thing, and you'll find the motivation to do the thing." Right? It's like when you're when you actually get in there and do something that you don't want to do, and you're like, "Oh, this sucks! I don't want to do it." You find yourself in this weird, uh, you know, kind of mental construct where you're like, "And I love the fact that I'm out here grinding, and I didn't want to do it, and I'm doing it anyway." And then you then your motivation increases.
0: So it's funny, like a half of me agrees with you, and half of me. Disagrees with you. Want to hear how I'm disagreeing? Please,
1: with you? I, I, yes. Let's let's have this.
0: All right. So yesterday on the show we had a Hindu priest, former Hindu monk, uh, Don Dapani, and he talked about three parts of the brain: instinctual, in, uh, intellectual, and, influ- and uh, it was instinctual, influential, and intuitive. And the part of the brain. So wh- where I hear you, and it's funny because as I've grown as a leader, I've, I've actually kind of like fallen into this world, and it's known as conscious capitalism, which is around awareness and around like mindset at the highest levels, like, like of enlightenment, right? Like, and that's like the striving if you think of it from like Mm -hmm. a Buddhist perspective. So a Buddhist would argue with you with what you just said, because they're coming in from an angle of enlightenment, not from an intellectual or strategic perspective, which is Mm -hmm. I want to fucking win. So I'm going to, I'm going to agree with you 110%. If your goal is to fucking win, you have to do what you just said. Let me use myself example. I lost 150 pounds, dude. I wasn't going to get there by meditating on a fucking rock overlooking the beach and just like hoping it would happen. Right. And like, it just wasn't going to happen that way. I had to actually go and like have this crazy goal and be like, dude, I can't weigh four bills. I got to weigh 250 right? because I don't want to die. And there was no like like enjoying the path type of bullshit. I I mean, when you take off 150 pounds, you're fighting homeostasis one pound at a time. Every single day, every hour. Yeah. It's it's gnarly. It's hard. And so... um, I agree with you. If strategically you want to win, and if your definition of winning is achievement of goals, of a, and your goal is a destination, I want to get this job. I want to lose this weight. I want to take on this career. I want to graduate with this degree. Those are destinations that are goal-oriented, and they are a win when they happen. In order to do that, you need to come from a strategic mindset, and you're, you have to be disciplined. I, so this is where I'm like, 110% I agree with you, Jimmy. I'm going to go the other way, which is, this is what I, because you're talking to a motherfucking achiever, right? I know. I know. That's why absolutely. Right. Like, like I just have like flat feet, bad knees and I've, and I'm fucking short and heavy. So I can't play (laughs) sports, sports, except like wrestling. Um, And even then, like, I'm not, I'm not athletic enough to do it at a high level, but I'm intellectually a beast and I'm like hard worker and I'm motivated. Right. So I spent the last forty-two, how many? Forty-two and like a few days old. I've spent the last forty-two and probably a few days being the achiever, realizing that at some point, when you start hitting those goals, you just want a new goal, right? Ooh, I love it. It's the cocaine of life. You just want more, right? Yes. Like I just want more, right? Like there's no like satisfaction. So you hit, so like, dude, I remember when I was like, oh, once if I make six figures, I'll be so happy. And that number just moved up and moved up and moved up and moved up and moved up up until I was like, motherfucker, when are you going to be tired of making? Like, is there a number that matters? Because it doesn't seem to matter, you know? And then it was like, if I just build this house, I'll be happy. If I just buy that car, I'll be happy. If I just have 500 employees, I'll be happy. If I just have a thousand employees, I'll be happy. If I just get this award as a CEO, I'll be happy. And I realized, dude, all that's happening is I get the one second shot in the arm, and it's back to work, right? So I realized something. I never enjoyed the process. It was never about the process. It was about struggling to get to the next goal, which is necessary at times. Don't get me wrong. But what I realized, and we were talking about this just around the show, is the intuitive brain is all where creativity is. It's where it's, it's, they call it enlightenment. It's creativity. It's learner mentality it's beginner's mind it's love it's like and, and so my new mantra dude and i'm fighting and i'm fighting myself on this every fucking day is the path is the wind i gotta love the moment i gotta love what i'm doing and it might be that it's hard but i'm loving the the complexity of the challenge and i'm not i'm not willing and i'm gonna put dude i've roughed myself up enough in my life been self-aggressive enough in my life i'm i'm actually fighting to say you lazy motherfucker. I'm not allowed to say that to myself anymore because I've been saying that to myself for, for 42 years. And I'm like, I'm not doing it anymore. I'm going to love myself. I'm going to enjoy the journey. Dude, I don't know where it's going to land, land me, but I'm going to fucking soak in and enjoy every second of it. And it'll take me where it's going to take me. That's why I'm arguing with you. So, I, I mean, I, I'll be honest with you. I don't,
1: I don't see the, the contradiction there. I don't see the argument because for me, just you know, kind of to qualify some of this stuff. For me, the the only real goal, only real goal is to be the best that I can possibly be. And the only reason why I set tangible or what I would call like success goals of saying like, man, I want to make 500,000 this year. I want to have this car do X, Y, and Z is because those serve as little targets kind of along the way. Because for me... And I don't know exactly when I when I really figured this out. Maybe it was at some point, kind of towards the end of my football career, when I just really started, as you said, um, enjoying the process of and, and enjoying what I was doing. Dude, it, it going for a goal or trying to live a dream for me has never really been about one hundred percent about the idea of what can you get. I have always loved the idea of who it forces me to be and as a result of that who I can become right i think the pursuit of a goal is so much more about who you become rather than what you get and so whether whether i am being a disciplined motherfucker about getting up at 5am and going and working out because i want to be a great football player or whether i'm being super disciplined to uh, achieve something in some other field The point is, is that the discipline, the pain, making myself uncomfortable makes me better, period, regardless of the goal that I'm that I'm going for. So to me, it really comes down to this idea of um, I don't really care what I'm doing. I just want to use that to become somebody better. And those little targets along the way, those are kind of the ways that you measure it. It's like, okay, well, I definitely got better because I hit this target. Yeah, yeah. I'm definitely, you know, I'm better in this area because look at the result. So it's not really results driven. It's, it's growth and personal development driven. And I use the goals kind of as the target to be the evidence of that, of that growth. But I, I, just, I just want to be
0: better. I love it. So you've qual- the qualification helped me understand it better, which is if the goal, because I think a lot of people are going to get, could misunderstand what you first said. Because a lot of people don't think about, oh, I, my, the goal is for me to be the best version of myself. Most people like intuitively understand that. But they're like, the goal is for me to have to, to make more money. Right. It's a practical yes. goal. The goal is for me to, you know, work less and, and make more or like whatever. They, they have these like they're not what you just said is a spiritual and instru- is a spiritual goal. And it is a goal, what Maslow would call self-actualization, right? How to be the best version of yourself, living in okay. the most engaged life. So I agree that if your goal is that, then the tar- you need to have targets on anything. You need to have KPIs for success no matter what. But it's, what are you getting a KPI for? Is it to make more money? I'm going to tell you right now, making money is important to a point, and then you won't care anymore. You don't care, right? I'm- so so Kobe, I heard an interview with Kobe
1: around probably 2012, and he was talking about how he'd spent, you know, the first 10 or 12 years of his career where he was really focused on just being better than the competition, right? He wanted to be better than this guy who everybody said was one of the top players. He wanted to win more rings than Jordan. It was this, it was this competition mindset. Like I'm trying to beat somebody out or be better than somebody. Mm -hmm. And he said, when he really started enjoying, really enjoying his career was when he said, you know and i'm kind of paraphrasing but you know really at the end of the day my quest is to just see how high i can take this thing how good can i be i don't have to compete with these other people anymore it's it's literally that concept you know that age old concept of me versus me the, my my only competition is me and my perceived limits or my ceiling and i just want to keep punching up and seeing how high i can go how how great can i be and I mean, that that really kind of spoke to me on that level of just saying, you know, you get to a point in life, and this is what you were talking about kind of around money, when you said you get to make a certain amount of money, it just doesn't matter anymore. You're not trying to make money to say like, hey, man, I've got 50 million in the bank. I, I got to get to 100 because I got some shit I want to buy. You know, it's like, no, it becomes, it becomes an idea of I want to continue to challenge myself. And how much better can I be at this? And with this much more money, how much more impact can I make? And it becomes this positive feedback loop of, you know, if I can become better, like Jim Rohn always used to say, if you want things to get better, you've got to get better. And so it becomes this, this loop of like, okay, I want to personally get better so that the things that I'm doing will get better and go higher, which will then, you know, if we're in, if you're in business, will then make more money, which will give me more power to do more things and make a bigger impact, which will then motivate me to be better so that this will go high, you know, and, and it becomes this loop. And I think all really high performers, the best of the best in any industry throughout the history of the world have evolved to that point. I talk about it in my seminar, the evolution from competition to creation, where you stop competing and the focus goes to creating the best version of yourself, which then creates better versions of whatever it is that you're devoting yourself to. And okay. to me, that's that's the real magic.
0: Yeah, man. And, and then there's a book by David Emerald that I did read called The Power of Ted. And it's, it's it stands for the empowerment dynamic. And one of the things around that is victim versus creator mentality, right? Mm. And to your point, you're create when you're in a creator mentality, you really are just like, Thinking about how can you be the best version of yourself? How can you? There's creator, there's coach, um, so it's all around this empowerment dynamic of the brain, which is how do I come out the world? Because the other opposite of that is you're rescuing people, you're you're you know beating the shit out of people because you want something out of them, or you do it to yourself, right? Yeah. I'm gonna. I mean, how many people whip on themselves to get more? And 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 I think the way you're talking about it is no, I'm gonna come at it from this position of love and creation. To have more impact, because at a certain point, and you know Maslow talks about, about this uh, in Maslow's hierarchy of needs, which is dude there's there's three levels of, of need. The bottom is survival. And then we mm-hmm. get above that. so I got food, I got shelter, I got you know health. then I go above that, I want success. But what happens success only tastes good to a certain point, then it's the same meal, right? Then it's self-actualization, which mm-hmm. is really living your calling, being the best version of yourself. So I love that that you, you're doing that in your work. And so I have a question. For, we have a question from the audience. I want to ask it. And then I want to ask you a question from, from myself. What would you say are your core values? Damn, they stole my question. <laughs> what would you say are your core values? Oh, it's two questions. So, first one is what would you say are your core, va- are, are your core values? So,
1: uh, just top three, kind of off the top of my head growth and personal development. I mean, to me, for myself and the people that I want around me in my circle, I want them to be growth-minded, growth-oriented people, like people whose mindset says, "There's no, no matter how good I am, there's always more to learn. There's always room to grow. That's high core value for me. Um, one of the other ones is reliability. You know, I talk about that at length too. I want to be a person who other people see as somebody who's reliable, which means I do what I say I'm going to do when I said I'm going to do it. And I do it at the highest level to the best of my ability. You know, that if you're, if, if you need me, if you're going to count on me, I'm going to deliver for you to the absolute best of my ability, not just show up, but, but be my absolute best. And the other one for me is, and this is something that, that our mutual friend Amber talks about all the time is connection, man. I, to me, the relationships are always outweigh whatever the project is or the business or whatever. I'm a connection-oriented person. The best memories I have from playing pro football are the dudes in the locker room that I shared a common bond with that pushed me to be better, that maybe I inspired to be better in those relationships. So it's definitely growth, personal development, reliability, and connection.
0: I love it, man. Uh, The second question was, do you think your time in in this pro sports had a big impact on which core values you embraced? Oh, I, 100. Oh boy, what a good question.
1: 100% because, because I learned really quickly. This is kind of the genesis of the whole Be A Pro process. I got to San Francisco to the 49ers on my very first practice, the very first day, make super long story short. I totally flopped in this drill. This, um, they were auditioning me and some other guys to be punt returners, right? To, which is a really, really difficult thing to do catch a punt that's kicked looks like 2 miles high in the air and try to catch that thing coming coming down totally flopped the ball hit me in the face and it was just oh. a disaster and so my my coach at the time George Stewart who was the receivers coach for the 49ers as I was walking back into the locker room after that practice on my first day thinking like shit I probably just blew it like they might cut me after this and um we talked for a minute and he said a couple things to me that that are right in line with this he said um, Hey man, you know, you're a good player and you were, you were obviously good enough to get here because we, we signed you, right? You're what you did in the past was good enough to get you to this point of being a 49er. But he said, you're not an amateur anymore. You're in the pros now. And to quote him directly, he said, motherfuckers get paid to do this up here. So you got to take it to another level. And what you need to know is that what got you here won't keep you here. So if you want to stay here in the pros, you have to learn how to be a pro. And that was the first time I ever heard that phrase. And that's where that came from. So I relate that to this idea of what I talked about, which is growth and personal development. I'd spent the last, you know, 13 years of my life working my ass off to get to that point. And I thought like, hey, man, I got this pretty well under control. Like, I know what I'm doing. The first day he was like, you're not good enough, man like if you want to stay here there's there's exponential number of levels you got to rise to so that was when i was like man this this whole thing is about constantly just trying to be better right. setting a new bar and trying to get better at at this craft the reliability absolutely dude that's why i stayed around the league for so long because coaches and organizations knew like hey Or whatever that guy might lack in physical stature or ability, he brings it 10x when it comes to trust, reliability. He's always going to know what to do. You're always going to get 100% effort. And then the the last one, the connection aspect of it, I was a dude that, that teams liked to have in the locker room because I was never a problem. I had great relationships with front office people with coaches, with teammates. And so they knew that, that I was a guy, if I was in the locker room, then I was going to be making a positive impact in the locker room because of the connection that I had with all the people. So 100%.
0: Yeah, man. That's awesome to hear that. And, and, and it, and it's, it's a quote I always say, which is, you know, how you are anywhere is how you are everywhere. Right. And so that's just a representation of that and look, we're, we're wrapping up here. We're coming towards the last few minutes of the show, but the show is supposed to be like 45 to an hour. We're like an hour. We're going to be uh, dude. We were like 48 minutes in. I'm like, this is an hour and a half show. I know. I love it. By the way, this is a record. This is the longest show I've done. And I was like, oh, man, I'm loving this show. This is like I can do this all day long. You know, one of the realizations I've had, and so it's a question for you, now that you've identified to me that your three core values are around growth, reliability, and uh, excuse me, growth, reliability, and um, last but not least was, um, I'm gonna I'm remember it. Connection. Ah, oh, God damn it. I was gonna say it. <laughs> so growth, reliability, and connection. You've identified those to be your values. And so what I've realized, I've been doing a ton of work, and and I'm in a bunch of CEO groups, and I'm, 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 you know, like the cool thing about the work that you and I do is, is, and this is where I think I have a lot of gratitude for what I get to do with my day, and I'm sure you probably feel the same way, Mm -hmm. is I get to be around a lot of people who are trying to make themselves into their best version of themselves. And when when you're around those folks, and if you're not anyone listening to this, go be around people like that. It doesn't matter what they're doing. If anyone's not doing that and they're around you, you probably want to spend a lot less time with them. Hundred percent. Like as Jim Rohn was Jim Rohn says, is that you are the average of the five people you spend the most amount of time with, right? So um, like who are those five people? And 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 that's who you become, right? And so what I've realized is if you want to be the best version of yourself, the way i the way that the formula I have, this is my magic formula, is know what your core values are and take this and apply it to a business. You want to be the best version of your you want your business to be the best version of itself, you want you to be the best version of yourself these three things have to happen. Number one, you got to know, live and bring to life your core values every day. And when you fall out of alignment with it, you got to like, fight to get back into alignment. So you got to be deliberate about it. And you got to be honest and you got to be authentic. And once you do that, whether in your personal life or in your business life or in your company, whatever it is, and my book's about how do you do it in a company, right? But it's the same for personal. There's no difference. Companies, by the way, Based off IRS code and corporate law, a company is a person. So, so corporations are people too, my friend. There you go, know. right? Corporations are people. So, so, know, live, and bring to life your core values. Hold your core values accountable in ways where they're un—you're unapologetic about it. And when you fall out of line, get back in line. Number two, know and learn your strengths. What are you good at? What are your talents? And develop those talents to the highest levels you possibly can. Don't spend a goddamn second working on your weaknesses. Collaborate for those that have the weaknesses. And so that's a strength finder uh, tool. And I'm a big strengths guy. Organization same. Find the people that have their strengths, get them in their strengths and have them collaborate with people where they are weak. And you'll have people fully engaged. So you'll be fully engaged. your, Your team will be fully engaged. And last but not least, and this is one that I just discovered about a year and a half ago. You need to practice the habit of awareness. And, I, and meditation is the only way that I've learned how to do that. And you can do it in an organization by taking time with each other, have some recentering, practice some, a little bit of group, group meditation. It doesn't need to be a... I didn't say... Hey, I, by the way, any of you assholes, the thing I just said, go on a silent meditation retreat with your accounting department. I did not say that. This could be two minutes before you start your huddles. Take a second, recenter, have an awareness about what you are and how you're doing. The other two things I just said, and things and things start working out in your favor and by the way it's way i'm talks cheap it's way easier said than done i fuck up on all three of those things all the time mm-hmm. so my question to you jimmy is you've identified your values you identified your strengths and it seems like you're pretty aware when you put it do you do you find credence in what i just said or is there any holes you're going to be able to poke in what i said because i i'm i, I want i want to hear from someone that's that I think has kind of went through the valley of darkness, came out and started thriving again, to go up that next mountain, what do you think makes you your best version of yourself? Is it what I just said, or is there things you would add to that? Yeah, so, so the, only, the only thing I, I would
1: slightly disagree with you on, and it's, it's small, and I think context matters, right? Where you're applying what I'm about to say matters. I've heard that argument about only work on your strengths versus strengthen some of your weaknesses. I come from a life where I had to do both. It was in my best interest to do both. Like the things that I, that I was not good at at different times. I worked my ass off to be better in those areas while still strengthening the strengths. I'll give you just a, a quick example. When I was in high school, dude, I was small, slow, skinny, not strong. Hadn't, didn't start lifting weights till I was 14 or 15. And so knowing that I had those deficiencies, what I did was got really, really good at the skill type stuff, right? So I had these physical deficiencies around athleticism and strength, but I worked my skills catching the football all different types of ways so that I basically never dropped the ball. I became very, very proficient at catching the football, real specific at route running and being able to set people up so that even though I wasn't fast enough to run by them, I could set them up with different moves, running routes to still get open. And so I got really, really good at those things. And along the way, I'm lifting weights every day to get stronger. I'm out on the track with the track team running sprints to get faster. Wearing those, remember those old strength shoes they had when we were kids that you could do with the big platform? Dude, yeah. I'm, wearing, um, yep, I'm wearing those to try to increase my vertical I'm eating six thousand calories a day to gain weight, and what happened for me was my skill level went like this around those skills, and then as I continued to strengthen those weaknesses, when those got up here, now all of a sudden you had a great player because it was like, dude, this guy is quick, fast, strong, explosive, and he runs great routes, catches every football, right? And so I, I, I'm an advocate of. Especially in business, if if you if you are weak in some area and you need to be good at it, if you suck in sales, like you better fucking take a course and get better at sales. You better get around some really good salespeople. But but there's context to that, and I and and the 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 examples that you gave, one hundred percent true. There's things that I'm 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 never going to be a guy that develops my own website. Like I just don't want to do it. It's a weakness of mine. I'll hire somebody to do that. Right. But for me, to answer your question, for me you know, I, I kind of have this little philosophy around that it all starts with clarity. Okay. And, and I think this dovetails with a lot of what you said, you know, you talked about know your core values, clarity, right? Um, to me, that's clarity of what I call clarity of person. Who am I? Who do I want to become? And who might I need to become in order to go to this next level? You know, a lot of people are are so afraid to, to be somebody different because they feel like that's inauthentic. But what I mean by that is if, if whatever it is that you're trying to do is going to require you to, you know, maybe change your lifestyle or adopt new habits or behave differently. Then if that's something that you really, if you're talking about something you really want and that's what's required, then you need to be willing to do that. Right. So clarity of person, who do I want to be who do I need to be? And to your point, who am I? What are my core values? The next one is clarity of purpose. You know, like mm-hmm. what exactly am I trying to do? You think about like a map, like the Apple apps map, right? You want that thing to give you directions. Well, you got to put in a destination point. You got to know what it, where you're trying to go. Because until you do that, it cannot formulate the plan or the route to get you there, right? So I, I talk about a lot about clarity of purpose outcome objective you know if if my goal people say okay well i just want to i want to i want to exercise and get in shape well 42 year old me is trying to get leaner and smaller and be you know ripped 16 year old me was trying to put on 40 pounds and get more muscular and all this type of stuff so without having the clarity of exactly what i was trying to do those two workout plans are going to be a lot different, right? So you got to identify with clarity exactly what your purpose is, because that's going to um, really inform the last one, which is what I call clarity of plan, which is you, you, you then have to put the plan in place in some way, shape or form. So many people will say they want to do something or they'll have a dream and they, they, they stop at the plan stage. They go from, here's the dream. Here's where I'm starting. Here's the destination. And that's, I'm just going to focus on that. And this is where I'm trying to get, mm-hmm. but there, they, but there's never been any clarity around the plan as to how I'm actually going to get there. And so to me, that that's always kind of the, that, that's part of the blueprint that I, that I lay down on top of if somebody said, Hey man, um, you know, I want you to try to become a a pilot. I'm like, okay, well, I go through those. Who do I need to become? Right. What exactly am I trying? Am I going to fly F-16s? Am I going to fly Cessnas? Am I going to, you know, and then plan. Okay. How do we, how do we get there? You know, you can apply that process, getting clarity around the person you need to be, the purpose, outcome, objective, and the plan. And I I always start there. I always start with that blueprint.
0: I love it, man. I'm going to, I'm going to argue with you about the, about, I agree with you on context. If you're playing sports, like there's, there's, I think, I think there's certain jobs or requirements where you've got to hit a minimum threshold or, or you want to, if you don't have certain skills, like you can't, you don't even get a seat at the table, right? Right. Like saying, well, Hey coach, like I'm fast. I don't, I don't really want to lift weights. Like fucking beat it. Like I got five guys that'll take your job. Right. so, So I think that there is certain context around that. Um, I think in business, though, where the stakes are not as high necessarily, or you have the resources, where I can say, like, I'm not good at that. I'm going to hire a team where I can pay for someone to, to, you know what I mean? Like, from a coaching perspective, I would don't say, you think,
1: don't you think? Though, like, for instance, take take an example where you know we talk about leadership all the time. You take take like a CEO, right? And we talked on our when 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 you were on my show about how a leader sets the tone. Yes, right? and the leader, what what the leader says matters. So if and this may be a bad example, Um, but no,
0: let's do it. I'm the I'm the CEO, Darius CEO. Let's
1: do it. So so, if you're the leader of the company, and one of the things that this, if you're the CEO of this company, you just let's say you get hired by this company. It's not one that you created, and this 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 company does like these weekly meetings where um, they're kind of like level set or you know some type of motivational, inspirational, whatever. Just a, sure. a weekly, like 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 a Wolf of Wall Street, Jordan Belfort used to do those every day. He'd go right. out onto the sales floor and just pump everybody up or whatever. If that's a requirement and you are an absolute terrible speaker, horrible presenter, wouldn't it wouldn't it be to your benefit? Wouldn't it behoove you as they say to try to work to become a better speaker, a better communicator? so that you could more effectively communicate your core values or the vision of the company or the things. So when I, when I argue you on that point, I'm just talking about things like that, that there's areas that it, it behooves us to work on a weakness a little bit better so that it actually strengthens our strengths by working on the weakness.
0: So my answer to you is yes and no, right? So, so this is where we're, we're, we're going to go with context. And then, and then um, I, I, Dude, I can talk to you all day, brother. Me too. I know. I love it. um, But so here's my yes. Yes. If Jordan Belfort was like this, like terrible introvert strategic dude that didn't like tossing midgets in the middle and shaving teammates heads in the middle of a a sales rally, I would say, dude, yeah, he's a CEO. There is a potential requirement. He's the leader. So part of being a leader is you do people are going to look to you at moments for communication. And so you can't just say, I don't ever talk. But here's the but. So yes, he should do what he can to be as effective as that as possible despite his stage fright, despite his abilities, despite him getting nervous, despite his hatred for public speaking. He should probably develop that skill. Should he spend a shit ton of time to become the Jordan Belfort that now is out of prison and doing like, like as a motivational speaker? Right. Probably not. That's probably not a good use of his time because he's working out of his strengths all the time. And when you work out of your strengths, It's tiring, right? Yes, no question. So it drains your energy, right? When you're working, you know when you're working in your strengths because you get energy. You know when you're working out of your strengths because it drains your energy, right? So I would say he should not try to become the world's best speaker because he's never going to be the world's best speaker. He's going to be fighting guys like Jimmy and Darius that are going to be fucking crushing him on the stage, right? So like, I don't even have to think about it Um, and I could speak. Like, and so so he'll always be playing second fiddle or 10th fiddle. He'll be freaking getting me a cup of coffee while I'm on stage before someone wants to hear his sorry ass on stage. So my point is, is he should not try to go become the world's best speaker because it's working outside of his strengths. But to your point, yes, he should develop it if the job requires that of him to a certain degree so that when he's called on to do it, he can do it. I will say though, if I'm the CEO, I don't have that skill set, and I know a company needs that strength. I'm gonna go find who's the next person in my organization who's not the CEO, but has an affinity for that. Right? Yes, of course. Uh, and, of course. And, and, and they're gonna be the spokesman. They're gonna go out there and motivate. I'm gonna come out, do my wave. And my business is a good example of this. The chairman on a company, Stavros, who's my business partner, my ex business partner, quiet guy, man of few words, very stoic, dude, great leader. But he is, but he, like, you go and ask him to go get in front of the crowd and do the Darius show, he's gonna be like, I'm not into it. Yeah. I'm on the other side. And he was the chairman and founder of the company, right? He became, we became business partners, but that was his style, dude. Like, and so for him to go and spend a ton of time becoming the world's best public speaker, I don't think he would enjoy the process, number one. And number two, if push came to shove, yes, he can do it. And he should develop to a point where he can. Where he can and he has done that, but he shouldn't spend it. And my only point was, don't spend all your time trying to become the best at something that you're, that you're it's really not a strange. Go, go and do what Jimmy did. Go and learn how to catch a ball with your pinky toe and your pinky finger and be the best catch, you know, do the things yep. that you, you worked around it and you became really good at areas you did have strength in, but you developed where you needed to, to get the job done. That's only my point. Yeah, no, I, I
1: totally get it. My, my goal now, for instance, in what I'm doing in business now is, is obviously to operate in my strengths and. Just try to close the gap a little bit and maybe, maybe, maybe competence is the right word. Just become competent. I'm not trying to turn my weaknesses into strengths. I just want to be competent in areas where I'm weak. So I can at least kind of hold my own in, in some of those areas. So, I mean, I, I, I think, honestly, I think that we, we, we virtually agree on it. We just, I've just got a slightly different yeah, yeah. mindset around it. Yeah. Which is great. I mean, it's all good. It's, a,
0: it's yeah, I love it. And I'm, I'm trying to start some shit on the show so that we get some, some, this is like the bachelor. <laughs> bachelor. Um, hey man. So let's wrap it up here because uh, I think everyone's got to get back to work and they can't listen to us all day. Dude, where can people find you? What do you got going on? What, where, like, how can people get into the Jimmy Ferris world
1: up away? So I'm on all social platforms. Pretty much all of them are just at Jimmy Ferris. So Twitter, Instagram, Facebook the uh, be a pro facebook page is official jimmy ferris on facebook youtube uh, if you just google search jimmy ferris you'll see our youtube channel and also jimmyferris.com you can go there and uh, drop us an email to join the inner circle get um, email drips from us you know in the covid in the covid era what i've been doing mostly is some online seminars and things like that but we're 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 going to move into some more public things um book launch coming towards the end of the year um kind of in the process of putting the finishing touches on the be a pro book which will talk about everything that we just talked about and much more in much more detail. So yeah I, I'm I'm live on my show, the be a Pro series, two or three times a week, uh which again you can find on YouTube or on those Facebook pages. And um go to that, go to my um my webpage, jimmyfarris.com, give me your email so that we can stay in touch and, and kind of continue the conversation.
0: Sweet. I'll make sure the team puts that in the comments section, guys, so that you have all the places to find Jimmy Ferris at our main man. Dude, this has like been such a killer 90 minutes. I what, love it, man. What a treat. If I like that, it felt like 30 minutes. I know, man. That's, that's just how this is. We, we, got, we got a future together, my friend. No question. Uh, um, guys, thank you so much. We got one more show with Isabel Horshoy today. She's one of the world's top, basically life coaches around transitions in life. Especially career transitions, and she's just a really amazing person. Uh, Can't wait for you guys to see that show, Uh, guys. Sign up at the Real Darius M on Facebook to watch us live on there. Go to YouTube and type in the Greatness Machine. You'll find our shows there. Subscribe to the show, or go to my website at therealdarius.com and do all my social. Looking forward to building up the following so we can have more and more of these talks with greater and great, greater voices and people like Jimmy Ferris that can be part of this. Um, we'll continue to be a part of it. So brother, I'm so grateful to have you. Boom. This is like, thank it's, you. Man. It's been so cool to see you the, twice this week. And, um, and stay on, dude. Um, I want to chat with you for a second, but guys yeah. have a good weekend. We'll talk to you guys. Oh, talk to you later on today. Peace. See you. <laughs> you are listening to the greatness machine and that's a wrap for today. Guys, the greatness machine is all about two things people who are living their passions and those who are creating greatness in the world. And we feature these messages and speakers so it can help you step into your greatness within your own life and your own business. If you love what you heard, subscribe to the show on whatever podcast platform you're tuning in from and leave us a review. We love getting reviews for the show. If the episode made you think of someone who is leveling up in their business and life, print screen it, share it with them. Leaders are the best givers. And after all, we're all here to learn from one another. You can also go to our website, www.thegreatnessmachine.com. That's www.thegreatnessmachine.com. And on there, you'll see special tools to help you scale your business faster, show notes for the episode to help you integrate the lessons, and you will also get links that came out during the show. So on there, look, you can also grab a copy of my book, The Core Value Equation, which is a resource for helping CEOs and business leaders establish core values from their teams that don't suck. And mind you, a lot of them suck get access to this and more at www.thegreatnessmachine.com. With that said, you guys, look, thank you so much. I appreciate you. I love you. Peace. we out of here. See you guys next time. Uh
2: This episode is brought to you by the Yap Media Podcast Network. I'm Hala Taha, CEO of the award-winning digital media empire, Yap Media,